Please be aware that our website has been redesigned, now easier to navigate, and new content will be added over the next few weeks. Good morning and welcome to Laurel Heights, where we promise preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. Let me ask, have you ever been deceived? Someone lied to you? fooled you, or led you astray. And now in our time, the popular word is scammed on many different levels and in many different places in God's Word. We are put on alert to guard against being deceived. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 16 says, be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 and verse 6 said, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. You heard earlier Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. And then to Timothy, Paul wrote, While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. From these passages and many others we could reference in the Bible, God wants us to be careful. That message is clear. He wants us to be disciplined and discerning, not reckless, naive, or impulsive. So one of the simple admonitions of Scripture can be captured in these three words. Don't be deceived. I have a story to tell you. Last year, I'm in my office working an ordinary day until the phone rings. And after my response to the phone, the voice on the other end sounds like a young man And he says, hey, Uncle Warren, I have two nephews. It sounded like one of them, and so I guessed. And I said, Kyle. And he said, yes, this is Kyle. And I exchanged pleasantries with him, and then he explained about the call. He said, Uncle Warren, I'm actually down here in your area. I came to help a friend in Corpus Christi, and I thought, being this close, I would come on down and visit you this afternoon. I said, wow, Kyle, I didn't expect this. That's great. Come on. He said, okay. I'm just now leaving Corpus, and I'll call you for directions when I get closer. And I said, that's great, and the call ended. After the call ended, I just had some thoughts 
about the possibilities, and there was a great pause that entered into my mind. So I called my sister in Kansas and said, Is Kyle down here in Texas? She said, No, he's at work today. Kyle is a firefighter in Wichita, Kansas. So at this point, I know there is an effort for me to be scammed. And I enabled him to some extent by giving him my nephew's first name. But other than that, it was a clever setup by someone who found my name and my number and took a chance that I was an uncle. So now I know the scammer's going to call back. And within minutes, he did. I answered the call, and I played into his scheme in order to catch him. I answered the phone saying, Hey, Kyle, you're going to be here soon, right? And here it came. He said, Uncle Warren, my truck just broke down outside of Corpus Christi. And I have a man here to fix it, but I don't have my credit card with me. If you could help me out, as soon as I get to your house, I'll call the bank and get your money. It's going to be $400. I've got him now. And I'm feeling pretty good about my approach. And by the way, I'm recording all of this now. So my next step, if I may say so, was clever. I said, Kyle, what is your last name? Now remember, he is pretending to be my sister's son. Kyle, what is your last name? He said, Berkeley. I said, that's the wrong answer. Click, and he hung up. I called the police, gave them the number, the recording. They want all these recordings, though it's very hard to catch scammers, deceivers. I was almost deceived, almost lost $400 if I hadn't paused to apply some wisdom. I want to talk to you this morning about being deceived. There is something called self-deception, and we are warned about that several times in God's Word. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's self-deception. Likewise, in James 1.22, If you hear the Word, but you're not a doer of the Word, you deceive yourself. So in these cases of deception, Galatians 6.3, James 1.22, the one deceived is also the deceiver. Most commonly, this is called fooling yourself. doesn't take anybody else. It isn't someone outside scamming us or deceiving us. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. Has this ever happened to you? You're being tempted and you're right on the edge and you're thinking about this behavior. There is some attraction there. 
Your thinking is being pushed by strong desire, being pulled by that attraction, and you begin to have an internal conference with yourself. And sometimes what happens we call rationalizing. And desire sometimes wins out over wisdom and you transgress God's law. You convinced yourself against the body of wisdom and good influence that caused you to pause and hold the conference. You deceived yourself and you lost that battle of temptation. Without the discipline of God's Word, we can find ourselves in that dangerous place where we assure ourselves that the sin that we are attracted to is in our situation all right. We need to guard against those internal conferences, except when those deliberations are laser focused on God's will. What we sometimes wind up doing is, as Paul wrote in Romans 12 and verse 3, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Guard against self-deception, folks. Self-deception is often called self-justification. We can be, if we don't guard against it, our own worst enemy. Doesn't take anybody else. We deceive ourselves. James describes the course of sin in a familiar figure. In James 1, 14 and 15, each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then the lust, when it hath conceived, beareth sin, and the sin, when it is full grown, bringeth forth death. Be not deceived. Be not deceived by companions. The Bible teaches that there is great value in companionship depending on the character of your companions. I need to repeat. The Bible teaches there is great value in companionship depending on the character of your companions. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, a warning is issued by the Apostle Paul. You'll be familiar with this, I think. He said, do not be deceived. There's our theme. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. It's not companionship itself that is bad. It is bad companionship that is the object of this warning. Would you look with me, please, over in 2 Timothy chapter 3? 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is telling Timothy about what he will need to deal with as a man, as an individual Christian, and especially as an evangelist, and it isn't a pretty picture. Listen to this from verse 1 in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty. For people will be 
lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Those three words. Focus on that. Avoid such people. Now, the context of this is critical. Paul isn't saying, avoid all people. He isn't saying, avoid people. And to use the statement in that way violates completely the context. Paul is very specific about bad companions. It almost makes you sick to read the list. <clears throat> and these are not people you want to be around every day. These are not people you want to form close relationships with. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. Avoid such people. How many, many times have we been aware of cases where young people were corrupted by their group, their peers, their friends. It's a major influence in the lives of young people. We sang a moment ago, how shall the young secure their hearts through the discipline of God's word? We see it often gradually. The bad companions are given authority over your life. And with that authority, they ruin it. They destroy your influence and your relationship with God. They lead you down the pathway forward into disaster. Maybe I should say backward into disaster. And you wind up letting those bad companions make decisions that God expects you to make. Paul says, avoid such people. But, is this limited to teenagers and young people? People in their 20s maybe? By no means. There is a case in Galatians chapter 2 where Paul says that Peter was unfavorably influenced toward prejudice by those he was hanging around with. Solomon had some bad company. The church at Corinth suffered because of not avoiding such people. Let nobody think that when you cross the line from 20 to 21, peer pressure is over. The devil is not guilty of age discrimination. He wants to bring every person, regardless of age or experience, down into the pit of his darkness. Be not deceived. He will use companions to that end. Be not deceived by human wisdom. I just mentioned a moment ago Corinth, the church at Corinth. 
against all that they had been taught by Paul and others, God sent, they celebrated human wisdom. Can you imagine receiving information from God through certified messengers and just putting that information on the shelf and going with cultural human wisdom around you? That's what they did. And in the opening chapters of 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians Paul is exposing all that. And his purpose is to take them away from that source, the human source of wisdom, and get them firmly grounded in Christ, their head, who died for them. And it's within that discourse in 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23, that you'll find the following. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23. Let no one deceive himself. Then he says, If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ. And Christ is God's. They were seeking wisdom from men, in spite of the presence of God's wisdom delivered to them, by Paul and Apollos and the others. They were charmed by earthly wisdom and the culture around them. They were impressed and deceived by men. Paul said the wisdom of this world is folly with God. This same problem Paul addressed in Corinth, Isaiah addressed in Judah hundreds of years before Christ in Isaiah chapter 5 that we studied recently in a Bible class. Be not deceived by yourself, by companions, by human wisdom, and be not deceived by Satan, the great deceiver of all time. In the case of self-deception or bad companionship or celebrating human wisdom over God's, it may seem to us like Satan can almost relax and just watch with glee what we do to ourselves. Yet, we know that Satan is behind it all, no matter the approach, even when we deceive ourselves. He'll put the attraction or the distraction before us. He is the deceiver. He's behind it all. He's the adversary, and his strategy is always to do all he can to advance and promote us from being led away from God. In Revelation 12, he is the deceiver of the whole world. So he's always involved when we are deceived one way or the other. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11... Paul is showing his concern for the Corinthians. 
same people we spoke of a moment ago. Paul knew what Satan had done. Paul knew Satan deceived not only the Corinthians, but way back there, Eve and Adam. <clears throat> Paul was familiar with how Satan worked and the possibilities of temptation Paul was acquainted with. He was acquainted with direct deception from Satan. Satan, Jesus said, is a liar. So, in 2 Corinthians 11, here it is in verses 1 through 3. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 to 3. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Satan's strategy is to deceive. Now, he would never score any wins if he came to you and appeared to you and directly said to you, follow me to a terrible eternal condemnation. No thanks, Mr. Satan. I'm out of here. He would never succeed if he said, follow me and your marriage and family will be destroyed and you'll have no future that is good. No thank you, Mr. Satan. He can't take people away from God by describing to them the pain of hell. He can't say to people directly, let me tell you how it's going to be there in hell if you'll follow me. That doesn't work. No, his strategy is to lie, to deceive. This is why sometimes people believe things that seem to serve their desires and appetite more than anything else. They're believing the lies of Satan. God says, be not deceived. So, I've got another part of this, but I want to pause here. We've let Scripture inform us and warn us about being deceived. And I will say nobody in this audience is completely immune. No one can say, well, he's speaking good words from the Bible, but not me. Nobody can say that. Nobody in this audience is completely immune. As long as you're alive and I'm alive, Satan will be after us in a wide variety of ways. Exploring our weaknesses and whispering his lies. And when some wrong attitude or desire is entertained, Satan enters in and he says, that's okay, go ahead with that. So I need to put at the end of this study something I'm going to call a so what. What do I do about all this? And I'm going to say pause, pray, and project. Pause, pray, and project.
pause to think it through. What's happening here? What am I thinking about? What am I being asked to do by someone? What kind of attraction is before me and is it really that good? Pause to think it through. Apply some wisdom. Avoid the impulse of the moment. The book of Proverbs warns her readers over and over to guard against impulse. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Watch your heart, your mouth, your attitude, your behavior. Sometimes what is necessary is just a pause. What's happening here? Is this guy really my nephew? Pray. Asking God to help you with that pause. And ask for strength to discern and think it through. And test everything by scripture. And then it is always a good idea to do some projection. Project. Always a good idea. If I believe this, if I keep thinking this way, if I do this, what outcome can I anticipate? Think that through. This requires that we set emotion and appetite aside and think for a moment strictly of consequences. If I keep going down this path, where is it headed? If I let my mind dwell on these things, what's the outcome? If I engage in this sin, where will it take me? To any good place? Pause. Pray. Project. Do not be deceived. To my nieces and nephews, yes, I'm Uncle Warren. But you can't pretend to be Uncle Warren and get $400 out of me. I've made mistakes in 72 years. I've been deceived. I'm imperfect. But this scam, the man tried on me, didn't work because of that pause. If he had said in that first conversation, I need $400 right now. No. He gave me chance to pause and I thought it through. I tell you, the devil has his scams that you really can't report to the police. The devil has his scams and he doesn't want us to pause. Jump right in is his message. He wants us to be deceived. My message from God's word to us today is be not deceived. Thank you for your good attention. Let's be standing as we sing.